I have a topic I want to talk to you about tonight that I think we do very well. Um, you say, well, then why do you want to preach it? Well, sometimes we talk about it so much that after a while I'm, I think we, we lose the essence that we are, that we do do a good job. And it just becomes words. Um, I tell you what a great church you are. And maybe the first time you ever heard those words, you may have kind of got a little, little godly pride about it. And well, you know, we are a good church. Um, but after you've heard it about 50 or 60 or 100 or 1,000 times, um, they become words. And so tonight I want to, I just want to talk to us because are we good in every area? Most areas. I'll say most areas. Um, but I know that there are areas that we can improve in. Um, why do I know that? Because we're human. We're human. And we're not going to be perfect in every situation. So I want to talk to you about this, this topic tonight. May I serve you? May I serve you? Anybody in here ever been to Piccadilly? <laughs> serve you, please. Serve you, please. That's what they used to say. It's been so long since I've been, I don't know. And then every now and then somebody would say, may I serve you? May I serve you? Years ago when I was in the retail business, one of the things that I didn't allow my, my salespeople to do, I didn't allow them to say, can I help you? Because I'd had people tell me, say, well, I don't know whether you can or not. It was, may I help you? May I help you? And, and, and really both of them come from two different perspectives. But may I serve you? is the topic that I want to talk about. Galatians 5 says this, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. In other words, you're called to be free, but don't take your freedom and use it for sinful purposes. But by love serve one another. Verse 14 is, the next verse is, is a very enlightening verse. Um, with all the thou shall nots and the different things and the rules and different things that we have come up with out of scripture, you read the 14th verse and it says this, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. All the law is fulfilled in, in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The greatest privilege that we possess is the ability to love and to serve one another. It really is. I said it a few weeks ago, I think, whenever I read Sister Ruth's car.
hard thanking the church for standing with her and her mother's death. Um, you really don't know what a great church family you have, or you really don't know how great your church family is until you're on the receiving end of your church family. When, you're, when situations happen, death happens in your family, whenever circumstances prevail, and all of a sudden there's your church family. Um, I, I don't get involved with all of this, but I know that there have been situations to where families have had surgery with long recoveries. Um, I've had, uh, well, Brother John, that situation. Uh, you women have an app, and in that app, for a certain number of weeks, y'all provide a meal every day for those families. And if you don't know about all of that, see Sister Donna, Sister Michael, they'll tell you, they'll tell you about it. Some of the other ladies in the church can tell you about it. But it's been a blessing to families that have needed that when the situation, when circumstances happen. We have a death in the church. Um, the ladies in our church so many times work so hard to provide a meal for the family. And uh, during COVID, we had to resort to other, to other methods. Uh, we weren't able to do for the families the way we wanted to do. And so we had to come up with other ideas. But really the greatest privilege that we possess is the ability to love and to serve one another. Jesus never taught the principle of privileged character. Rather, he taught servitude, putting the needs of others ahead of our own needs. Dear, you go back into history, and you don't have to go too far back. I can go back to my, my childhood, and families just pulled together. I know back in, in the old days, if they had things what they called a barn raising, or if somebody needed a barn, everybody in the community come together and, and they built a barn. And uh, nobody asked for any money, nobody asked for anything. They, they got together as just neighbors and built a barn because there was gonna come a time when somebody else was gonna need something. And so there was, they always knew if I'm, if I'm there helping when it's my time to have a need, then I'll be, I'll be blessed. I, um, I think back on our church at, at uh, Dry Prom when dad and them, when dad started that church up there, uh, of course, when I was born, dad was already the pastor of the church. The church already existed. And I'll never forget, I, I do remember as a child, the only thing that they had was a sub, what we call subfloor. Now, the men in here that have been involved in building uh, know that when you build off of piers, you have what you call a subfloor, and then you come in, put your, your other floor on top of that, and then you finish it. But we, for years, that church had nothing but a subfloor. And if I'm not mistaken, Brother Frank Brown, Sister Dornell's daddy, was one of the ones that was instrumental in getting a hold of some pine flooring. I don't even know if Dornell knows this. 
Um, but the men of the church came together and they put that pine flooring down. And I, I you know, as a little old bitty tyke running around, I, I thought we were something. And uh, we went on, we, a couple, two or three years went by and maybe a little more than that, I don't know, because I think I was, I think I was 10, 11, 12, something like that. Um, they had finally got enough money together uh, to rent some sanders, floor sanders. And they went in there, and of course you can imagine what that pine floor, and it was gray uh, because it had not had any finish added to it. It was just pine flooring. And they went in there, the men of the church came together on a Saturday and, well, two or three days there, I think, and they sanded those floors and then they put what we used to call varnish on them. Now we call it something else, sealer or whatever. I don't know what we call it now. But anyway, I'll never forget that Sunday when I walked in and saw that floor. We were uptown then. Oh, yes, sir. But the men of the church did it. Um, it's much harder now to to get the men of the church to be able to come together to do something because we're a seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day society. Back in those days, men worked Monday to Friday. They were off Saturday and Sunday. Um, men would work, come to work in the evenings after church. This building, this building was, was erected. The roof was put on. Uh, the trusses were set on top, top of the brick walls. Well, let me say this, the brick walls were erected, then the trusses were set on top. Mr. Dick Maxwell was the, the contractor here. And uh, so the shale was what was here. And the men of the church is the ones that basically finished this building. The baptistry sat right over there. In fact, the first per who was the first one that got baptized? Yes, do you remember? It was one of our men. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever forget that. But anyway, it was sitting right over there, and uh, that's where the baptistry was sitting. And uh, Brother Briggs and them filled that baptistry up. They plugged the drain first and uh, filled the baptistry up and baptized the first person right out here in the middle of the floor. Um, I imagine when we get ready to remodel and we start pulling all this sheetrock down, Right back in that area back there is going to be um, some marks on some of the trusses where Brother Briggs run the forklift <laughs> through sheetrock and everything. <laughs> and I think it was Raymond that he had on the top of the forklift and what he was doing is he was messing with him. And, and, <laughs> and he wound up running the forklift through the and they had to replace the sheetrock, but uh, uh, but they were just you know this building was was erected by by the hands of the men of this church. I'll never forget Uncle Leland telling me one day. He said, "I I finally got to the point that I was so tired." Um, and, and and I remember when he was telling me this was right after we'd become pastor and 
we were talking we were building the new building back here talking about building the new building and and I was wondering how much we could get done just the men of the church and Uncle Evan said Bruce that building's too big you'll you'll run every man in the church off because people don't have that much time anymore and uh, he said all I remember is I would get off of that school bus in the evenings I'd make my evening round and he said I'd come straight to the church and he said as men got off from work they would come to the church and he said we would work to 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night go home and eat supper and go to bed and get up next morning and he said I'd make my bus route in the mornings and then when I got back to the house he said I'd go to the hospitals or whatever I had to do he said I'd leave there and come straight to the church and change my clothes and go to work and he said we did that for I don't know how many months um, before this building was built uh, it was just a habit of serving people just served uh, our present day society it's says something more like I need to take advantage of you before you take advantage of me now um, everybody's got their their guard up and and you know, I, I, I look at Don and I years ago had started building a very successful uh, Amway business. And uh, one of the excuses that people, and that business served us for a good many years, um, even after we quit doing anything with it because we were so involved in church, we just couldn't, we couldn't do the things that we needed to do to keep, keep it going. But one of the excuses that people would give us for not being a part of that business, and this just shows you the attitude and how people has changed through the time, is they didn't want anybody making money off of them. And, you know, you try to show them a way to make some extra money. Well, I don't want, I, that's all good and I like that, but I don't want you making money off of me. They couldn't understand that if I was making money, they were making more money. And I sat there one night with one guy and he made that statement. I said, do you shop at Walmart? Oh yeah, he said, everybody shops at Walmart. I said, why do you think that Sam Walton's kids need it more than Donna and I need it? And he stopped and he said, what do you mean? I said, well, do you think that that money at Walmart just goes into a bank account somewhere and somebody's not, some family's not receiving that money I said Sam Walton's kids owns most most of the stock in Walmart well I never thought about it like that but but that's different I said okay I knew it was time to move on not not try to convince him anymore but the attitudes through the years has has shifted from people being anxious to serve that's why I go back to us our church has always been a church willing to serve. We've always been a people willing to, to give to each other to do what needs to be done. But as I looked at this thought over the last couple of, <clears throat> couple of days, every time I read John 13, Jesus' act of servitude and humility at the Passover supper totally overwhelms me. I want, to read, I want to read this to you, and then I want you to just get this picture in your mind. 
says, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and he girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. But do you get what do you get the picture I just read? This one act of Jesus totally stuns me. Because the job that Jesus did was the job that was given to the lowest ranking servant in the house. The lowest ranking servant was given the job of washing the feet of people as they entered. Apparently, they had no no servants to serve the disciples and Jesus. So the, the disciples didn't didn't take it upon themselves to serve one another. And they didn't serve Jesus. But after Jesus has finished the meal, Judas is still there now, understand. And Jesus puts a towel around himself. And the creator dons the towel of a servant and bows and washes the dirty feet of the created. Just let that sink in for a minute. Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, spoke everything into existence. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords took off his garment, put a towel around himself, and he bowed to his creation and began to wash their dirty feet. Now, if you can read that and still have the attitude that someone should serve you because of who you are, then you need to check your salvation. John the Baptist, who was extremely popular, and had, he had his own disciples. He had his own ministry team. He was the forerunner of Jesus. Declared in the book of John, he said, he must, talking about Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. I mean, there was no jealousy here. There was no, um, well, I was here first attitude. No, I was sent to prepare the way. I've done my job. He must increase. I must decrease. If we can ever get self out of the way and not worry about who serves, who, or who gets the credit, then God will be increased within us. Listen to me. We were born again to serve others. We really were. We were born again to serve like Christ served. We were born again to be his hands and his feet. That's what we were born for. When we serve others, God will look out for us. 
Maybe another way of saying it is this. We serve others and God himself will serve us. I know this is not something to shout about. But it's something that we should stop and take inventory and am, am, I, am I a servant? Am I willing to serve? You know, and I've often said the kingdom of God is upside down. Remember the disciples argued over who was going to be one wanted to sit on the right hand, one sit on the left hand of Jesus. And he says, look, he said the one that is the greatest will be a servant. He'll be the servant of the all. So if you're going to serve in the kingdom of God, if you're looking to, to, to elevate in rank, you have to be a servant. Because the kingdom is upside down. And, and the greatest one is the lowest servant of them all. That's who Jesus was when he donned that towel and he began to wash the feet of those disciples. You know what I find amazing in that setting? After Jesus washed their feet, there was not a one of them that come back and, well, it's not a recorded anyway, that a one of them washed his feet. We should always be aware of the needy and the less fortunate around us. We see to them, he will see to us. I've learned that through the years. If you'll see to the needs of the kingdom, then he will take care of you. If it's all about me and, and what my plans for the future and what I want for us and I've got, I've got to amass a certain amount and I've got to do this and I've got to do that in order to, to retire in the future. And if you're thinking about yourself, then he'll let you amass your fortune. But if you will follow the leading that he gives you and, he, and you become a servant and you become a giver to give to those that are in need and those things that, that are needful, then all of a sudden you will find what you're trying to do to, be, to begin to grow exponentially. You will never outgive God. And that is a phrase that we use oftentimes, but it is a very true statement. Serving each other has to become a priority. Being, being aware of each other, that's probably the first priority. Being aware of each other, being aware. You don't know the times that I've had people walk up and put money in my hand and say, I don't want them to know where this come from, but would you give this to so-and-so? And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, brother, sister, you don't know what a blessing this is going to be to them because I know what they're walking through. I know what's going on with them. That's happened in numerous occasions through the year. But there's also probably been way more situations that I wasn't even involved in where I've, I have witnessed you guys giving to each other and taking care of each other. And while that's all good, and I haven't been there to witness this, but if you practice that same habit here, you have probably performed that same habit out there. That's 
why we're blessed. That's why we as a church are blessed. Serving others has become a priority. I read to you earlier in our opening scripture text, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. But did you hear this, this verse? Did you grasp what, grasp what Jesus said there? Regardless of what one may think, our, our standards don't identify us. Now, I've said it many times. I've said, talking to you about tipping and, and all of that, and that we go in as a couple and we sit down at the table. They know we're Pentecostal, by the way my wife looks, and so on and so forth. But really, that does not identify us. Because I've seen some people that look the part. But they do not have a servitude heart. It's all about serve me. Where's my parking place? Where's my, you know, give to me. Take care of me. When you take care of me, if there's anything left, we'll take care of you. I shun those kind of people. I, I, I don't want to be a part of, of all of that. If you have love one to another, that's the way people know you're his disciple. What God may require of you as a standard or as a personal sacrifice has nothing to do with what the public sees in us. Understand this. The fact that you don't go here or you don't wear that or you don't cut this is not a symbol of your discipleship. It's not. Those things are simply relational. That's all they are. They're relational in, in nature. They are relationship matters that speak to him from your heart, not to the world. Now, we are called out to be separate people, and I don't understand all that. But Jesus said... By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. I don't know whether I use this scripture later, later on or not, but yeah, I do, I do. I'll get to that in a minute. To be known as his disciple, we must show love one for another. Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Serving one another is an expression of love. Here's the scripture I was going to talk to you about. Mark 12. One of the scribes came and, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Scribes are listening to Jesus and he comes and he says, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus said to him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's the first thing we need to recognize. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And without them asking about the second one, he said, And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. I didn't include it in here, but I could have gone on down in that scripture reading. 
And the scribe that had asked the question, he says, Thou hast answered well, Master. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy neighbor as thyself. And he says it like this, is greater than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus looks at him and he says, thou art not far from the kingdom. All of your religiosity doesn't count. What counts is your heart. That is what counts. When he judges us at the great judgment bar, he is not going to judge you according to all of the great things that you have done because you could have done great things with a stinking heart. Don't judge from the heart. The first commandment. He is one, and you're to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, if you can't do that, why are you worried about the rest of it? If you can't love your neighbor as yourself, why do you worry about paying your tithes and doing all of these other things? And Why? Because we've got to have a heart. What's the word I'm on? I guess we've got to have a heart of servitude like him. Let me close with this little story I ran across. It's, it's slightly lengthy, so don't get excited. It's 743. It may take me a little bit to get through this. Um, but this little story... Uh, just it makes the point it's called breakfast at McDonald's <laughs> the author of this, this story says this I am a mother of three ages 14 12 and 3 <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> and have recently completed my college degree. The last class I had to take was sociology. The teacher was absolutely inspiring with the qualities that I wish every human being had, every human being had been graced with. Her last project of the term was called Smile. Now that's a lesson we ought to all learn. You ought to leave people wondering what you're up to. (laughs) Why are they smiling? Because I promise you they're not smiling. She says her last project of the term was called Smile. The class was asked to go out and smile at three people and document their reactions. She said, I am a friendly person. And I always smile at everyone and say hello anyway. So I thought this would be a piece of cake, literally. Soon after we assigned the project, my husband, youngest son, and I went out to McDonald's one crisp March morning. 
It was just our way of sharing special playtime with our son. We were standing in line waiting to be served when all of a sudden everyone around us began to back away. And then even my husband did. I did not move an inch. An overwhelming feeling of panic welled up inside of me and as I turned to see why they had moved, as I turned around, I smelled a horrible, dirty body smell. And there standing behind me were two poor, homeless men. As I looked down at the short gentleman close to me, he was smiling. His beautiful sky blue eyes were full of God's light as he searched for acceptance. He said, good day. As he counted the few coins he had been clutching, the second man fumbled with his hands as he stood behind his friend. I realized the second man was mentally challenged and the blue-eyed gentleman was his salvation. I held my tears as I stood there with them. The young lady at the counter asked him what they wanted. He said, coffee is all, miss, because that was all they could afford. If they wanted to sit in the restaurant and warm up, they had to buy something. He just wanted to be warm. Then I really felt it. The compulsion was so great, I almost reached out and embraced the little man with the blue eyes. That's when I noticed all eyes in the restaurant were set on me, judging my every action. I smiled and I asked the young lady behind the counter to give me two more breakfast meals on a separate tray. I then walked around the corner to the table that the men had chosen as a resting spot. I put the tray on the table and laid my hand on the blue-eyed gentleman's cold hand. He looked up at me with tears in his eyes and he said, thank you. I leaned over and began to pat his hand and I said, I did not do this for you. God is here working through me to give you hope. I started to cry as I walked away to join my husband and my son. When I sat down, my husband smiled at me and said, that is why God gave you to me, honey, to give me hope. We held hands for a moment and at that time, we knew that only because of the grace that we had been given, we were able to give. And then she goes on, she says this, we're not churchgoers, but we are believers. That day showed me the pure light of God's sweet love. I returned to college on the last evening of class with this story in hand, and I turned in my project, and the instructor read it. Then she looked up at me and said, can I share this? I slowly nodded as she got the attention of the class. She began to read. And that is when I knew that we as human beings and being part of, God's, part of God share this need to heal people and to be healed. Now that's a good line right there. She began to read and that's when I knew that we as human beings and being part of, of God share this need to heal people and to be healed. In my own way, I had touched the people at McDonald's, my son, instructor, and every soul that shared the classroom on that last night I spent as a college student. I graduated with one of the biggest lessons I could ever learn, unconditional acceptance.
see someone in need than to do what is necessary. It's a tremendous blessing. But to go a step further and to bless bountifully is even greater. How many times have you stood in need and God didn't just bless you with enough, but he blessed you with a bounty? We've stood there. We've been there. I've told, I've told, I've told my story many times about us being totally broken, Texas. And I prayed for just enough. And God did. I packed the gas in that old van, and that's back when gas was cheap. I packed the, the gas in there. $24.96 is what that check was. I'll never forget it. Wish I could go back and get that old check and frame it. Had no idea how he was going to make that check good, and I don't recommend that philosophy to you. But Donna calls me a couple hours later at work and said, guess what I just got in the mail? She'd gotten a check for $25 from her mom. And it so happened the bank was right there, and she and Keith were able to walk down to the bank, deposit the check. You say, well, that check was already on its way. Yeah, it was. It was. No doubt about it. Because it came in the mail. But could the possibility exist that check would have never shown up? You ever mailed anything and it didn't get where it was supposed to go? Have you ever mailed anything and it got there quicker than you thought? God knew when we would need it. God knew in advance that we would, we would trust him with the need. And God set the thing in motion before we ever asked for it. When you're his, when you have a servant's heart, the reason, and, and I didn't go into it, but the reason that we were, we were so low financially was we had given. We had given. And there was nowhere else to get it from. I, you know, I just, we had to trust God to supply. When you've got a servant's heart and when you are willing to go beyond what's expected, then God will always Come back and bless you. You say, well, where's the bounty? He only gave you four cents more than you needed. <laughs> well, it wasn't long after that that God healed Keith, totally healed him of uh, asthmatic bronchitis, totally, instantly healed him. Um, I could start listing blessings that happened after that 
that you would sit here and just say, well, eh, that could have, well, God might have, but no, we know God did. We know, we know God did. May I serve you? May I put you before me? Can I do something for you? My dad always told me and Brother Briggs always told me. He said, as a pastor, you don't serve. I mean, you don't. The people are not there to serve you. You are there to serve the people. That's always been our goal, is to be a servant. Whenever you're in need, we're there. Whenever you need something, we're there to stand beside you. We will do the best we can. But God always has others besides your pastor that surround you that will also do likewise. Be aware of one another. Be aware of each other's needs. And be willing to do whatever is necessary to meet the needs of one another. And not only those of us in this house, but those of us, those that you come in contact outside of this house. You know, there's another saying that goes, people don't care to know what you know. They just want to know you care. And I think that's something that we ought to all live by. Was everybody awake? <laughs> I haven't felt like shouting and I haven't felt like screaming and I haven't felt like spitting and hollering tonight. I just wanted to talk to you for a minute about a topic that I feel we do a great job. But let's be aware. Let's not get used to being good servants. Let's always continue from the bottom of our heart to be willing to serve and bless others. Would you stand with me? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We give praise and we give thanks to your name tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Father, we give thanks tonight for your love and for your goodness. We are a blessed people and we know it. We're all blessed in so many different ways. Some are blessed financially. Some are blessed with health. Some are blessed with, a, with great families that love each other. Everyone in this house can look around themselves and find blessings. And we are blessed. And we give you thanks for those blessings, but I don't want us to hold our blessings to ourselves. Father, help us that we can remove the blinders from our eyes and see those around us that need to be blessed. And somehow, use the blessing that you have given us to give to them. Let it somehow bring them to you because you're the one that is the provider of everything. I ask you to be with us through the rest of this week. I ask you to be with us on Sunday as Chris teaches in Sunday school and then we minister in the 1115 service on Sunday. 
I pray for a great anointing to be upon both of those services. All of our Sunday school teachers, may they be anointed to teach their classes. I just pray that there would be a mighty outpouring of your spirit upon us in the name of Jesus. Now we give you thanks and we recognize tonight that we are your children and we are proud to be called yours. In Jesus' name we pray.